Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sharpening Report. Well, um, last week's episode did so well and, and got a lot of positive feedback. There were only... I think there were only a couple of people kind of being jerks in the comment section, but um, there there was so much positive feedback, and it really seemed to in, encourage and, and help people. Uh, so this week again, it's just me. I don't have a guest uh, again. I, you know, from time to time, sometimes we do TSR without a guest. Uh, so today, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the connection of. Uh, aliens, angels in the Bible, but it's not going to be uh, a, a really like over your head kind of thing. Because, because you know, one of the most influential revelations that has helped bring people out of New Age or secular ufology and into the Bible is the realization of what the sixth chapter of Genesis means. Uh, and you know, this, of course, has been covered heavily by Christian authors and theologians, but there there very well could be uh, people that are brand new to this idea or maybe people that need to brush up on it. I, I remember that th this was so influential to me, like what, what we're going to be talking about today. Th this is what really got my feet on the ground when it comes to ministry work and, and just bringing the whole Bible together into something that's understandable. Um, so keep in mind that the, that the connection between uh, what we're going to talk about today, the connection between Genesis 6 and the modern UFO alien abduction phenomena, it's, it's not held by all, but it's still worth considering. If, if you're interested in aliens and the Nephilim of the Bible, this absolutely is the video for you. Uh, so let's start off by talking about the sons of God. Now, there are many interpretations concerning the identity of the sons of God from biblical scripture. Some have called them sinful men, descendants of Cain, demons, and even aliens from another planet, believe it or not. So to unravel this mystery, let's first look at Genesis 6, 1 through 2, which says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, this verse does not directly tell us who the sons of God are. To define sons of God, we have to compare scripture with scripture. Uh, the term is defined twice in the book of Job. So we read in Job 1.6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Then we read again in Job 38.4-7, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measurements thereof, if thou knowest? Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sing together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now this is a great example of how we can allow the Bible to define itself for us. So comparing scripture with itself gives us a clear understanding of who these sons of God are. They're angels. Uh, two main facts support this. First, they present themselves before the Lord. Second, they were present at the creation of the world. This could only refer to spiritual beings, to angels, to you know Elohim, spiritual beings. It doesn't specify their standing with God, whether they're good or bad. It only identifies what they are. Um, now, one misinterpretation of Scripture that's been floating around the church, even to the point that it's been taught in uh, seminaries, uh, that has caused quite a bit of confusion, is called the Sethite Theory. Now, there's a lot of different variations, but the theory basically states that the sons of God mentioned in Genesis 6-2 were not angels, but were the male descendants of Seth, and the daughters of men mentioned in the same verse were the ungodly female descendants of Cain. The uh, 
the the theory states that descendants of Seth mated with the descendants of Cain and produced the so-called giants. Now, to make the Sethite theory fit, we would have to twist the meaning of the scriptures, even in the original Hebrew that define angels uh, from the book of Job. Um, giants from Genesis 6, 2 through 4, and man, Genesis 6, 1 through 7. We've got to twist all those terms. The, the Sethite theory just does not add up when it's um, compared to the rest of scripture without completely rewriting the scriptures themselves. Now, that's dangerous because it keeps the believer away from the truth. So, what about the giants? When we look at Genesis 6, we find that angels saw the daughters of men and took them for wives. Genesis 6, 4, we read, There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. So, the word giants is translated from the Hebrew word uh, nephil, meaning bully or tyrant, which comes from the word uh, nephal, meaning to fall. Isaiah 14.12 uses the same word, nephal, for our English word fallen to describe Satan. Um, a common word used today for these fallen tyrants or giants is nephilim. Uh, the New International Version Bible refers to these beings as Nephilim. It actually says that, whereas the King James uh, just says giants. So, in our modern vernacular, the word is most uh, the word is most common and recognizable, referring to the giant offspring of fallen angels and human women, is the word Nephilim. So that's why we say Nephilim. Now, interestingly, the uh, the definition of Nepal, or to fall, can also mean cast down, die, fall, fallen, inferior, be lost, perish, rot, uh, throw down, among other things. Uh, The Nephilim were fallen, they were inferior, inferior, they were lost beings that perished with no hope of salvation. Uh, They were not fallen in the sense that the angels who created them were fallen. The angels once had a high uh, estate in heaven, but some of them disobeyed, and then then they became fallen. The Nephilim, on the other hand, were fallen right from the start. Uh, They were not men created with a hope of redemption. They were born fallen. Uh, In a spiritual sense, they were uh, dead upon creation. Uh, in, in a spiritual sense. So if the if the Nephilim souls did not have the ability to have eternal life and were dead upon creation, what would happen to their souls when they died? It's possible that what we know today as demons are actually the disembodied spirits of dead Nephilim. If the souls and spirits of the Nephilim were not created uh, by God directly, of course, you know, everything in existence God created, but Satan will take those things that God created and mix them together to try to make something new that God did not create directly. So uh, if the souls and spirits of the Nephilim were not created by God and could not achieve eternal life, there would be nowhere else uh, for them to go when they died. So according to scripture, the souls and spirits of dead Nephilim would not initially go to hell upon death for the resurrection and judgment. Um, speaking of unsaved people at the judgment, Jesus stated in Matthew 25, 41, quote, Then shall he say unto them, On the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So, uh, though unsaved people uh, take part in this as well, hell was originally created for the devil and his angels. This would suggest that the dead Nephilim uh, would be cursed to remain on the earth until the judgment, possibly. Um, now, extra-biblical sources like the Book of Enoch say exactly that, uh, that demons are basically Nephilim ghosts. Uh, that's what demons are. Um, 
but they would, so they would be what we refer today as demons. So since angels do not die, the fallen angels would continue to exist with Satan, uh, who reigns as the prince of the power of the air until the judgment, as we read in Ephesians 2, 2. So this shows that demons and fallen angels uh, are, are different, in my opinion. Not, not all agree with that, and that's okay. I could, I could be wrong on that, too. But uh, according to my current understanding, these are different entities that we're talking about, demons and fallen angels. Uh, it's well documented in the Bible that demons or devils, unclean spirits, uh, they like to possess people, take control of their physical bodies if they can. Fallen angels, on the other hand, have a type, a type of body that seems to be far superior to our human bodies. Uh, as we'll get into in a, a little bit later. Uh, now, they're, they're not as, as well off as the non-rebellious angels. The, the, the good angels have a high estate that the fallen angels abandon, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, now, this seems to mean that fallen angels have no immediate need for a physical human body. Now, of course, there are certain exceptions to this in special circumstances, such as Satan possessing the body of Judas, well, at least entering his heart. Uh, but we, we don't see that as typically as we do with demons. Uh, and, and I don't know if that would be a technical possession or, or what's exactly going on there. Now, if demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, then it would explain why they would want to possess humans in the first place. Also, before the account of the flood in Genesis, there's no mention of devils or evil spirits of any kind. There's only mention of fallen angels, heavenly angels, and man. The, the Bible is not clear about what evil spirits are and where they come from, but one thing is clear. Different Hebrew words are used to distinguish evil spirits from fallen angels. If uh, demons and fallen angels are not the same, as the Hebrew language would seem to indicate, but again, I'm not a Hebrew language scholar, uh, then there would be nothing else for demons to be other than the spirits of dead Nephilim. So now we can, uh, so now, so now we know that when the fallen angels co-mingled with human women, the Nephilim were born. And from the description in the Bible, such as in Genesis and uh, the story of uh, Goliath, among others, we learn that these Nephilim were giants, exceedingly strong and barbaric. The fallen angels who committed the act that led to the creation of the Nephilim were in direct violation of God's law. We read about it in the uh, Genesis 6 account, but there is also a familiar verse in the New Testament that may help shed some more light on this. Uh, and how and how unacceptable this action was to God. So speaking of people at the resurrection, Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Now, there is a common misconception regarding that verse. Usually that last part of God in heaven is left out. So this verse is sometimes used to say that all angels in existence have never and will never take part in marriage. But such a statement is a mistake and a misinterpretation because this verse explains an attribute of only the angels of God in heaven, not of every angel. So the angels of God in heaven don't marry or, given, or are given in marriage. The angels that took part in the unholy union with human women are not angels of God, nor do they reside in heaven anymore. So the angels in heaven have never committed this terrible sin. Uh, in ages past, when certain angels decided to marry women and have children, they fell from heaven and thus became what we refer to as fallen angels today. We can uh, read more about that in Jude uh, verses 6 through 8. The whole thing is just one chapter, but uh, verses 6 through 8 says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in... Um, 
he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Now, many interesting things are going on in this passage. At first, we learn about the fallen angels and how their sin of mating with humans or going after strange flesh compared with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah resulted in locking them in chains until the judgment when they will suffer the vengeance of eternal uh, fire. So the basic understanding of this passage gives us some interesting descriptions, but when we look at the Greek words used, we gain a much deeper insight. So let's start at the beginning with the words first estate. The word first here comes from the Greek word arche, meaning a high rank, such as to be first in a position of political power. The word estate comes from the Greek word peri, which can mean like a locality. So from this, we learn that the angels did not keep their highest ranking location. The highest ranking location that an angel can have or exist in is heaven, obviously. So the angels left heaven. Now, let's look at the next part of the verse uh, that says, but left their own habitation. Now, the word habitation comes from the Greek word uh, oikterion, meaning a residence, such as a family household. This is saying that certain angels left their heavenly family, God and the other angels in heaven, which was their home. Uh, these angels forsook God and the other heavenly hosts by leaving heaven and coming to earth. Their actions on earth uh, led them to be bound in chains and awaiting their judgment of everlasting fire. Also, if we look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5.2, Paul speaks about being clothed upon with our, with our house, which is from heaven. When we read that entire chapter, it's clear that house... Uh, is another word for a body. So it's possible that the fallen angels not only forsook God in heaven, but also forsook their heavenly spiritual bodies for a type of physical body that they could use to operate within our physical dimension. And it's that physical body that had reproductive capabilities. So we can see here what actions led to the angel's judgment. And you can see why Jesus made that distinction between the, the angels of God in heaven. The fallen angels don't have the same type of body that uh, good heavenly angels have. They don't have the same kind of body anymore. They now have a, a body that uh, is different. Uh, I, I don't know in what ways. I don't know how physical it is. I don't know. Uh, it seems that body seems to have uh, reproductive capabilities, obviously. Um, but that's what it talks about when it, when it says that they left their estate, they left their habitation, they, they left their bodies. So that passage compares to compares what they did to the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. It says they were giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. The word strange comes from the Greek word heteros, meaning another or the other or different. Uh, this is saying that the fallen angels were fornicating with flesh that was different from their own, you know, meaning humans. So uh, there's a lot of theories about how that could be possible, but apparently the fallen angels have some sort of physical bodies at their disposal. There are places in the Bible that mention angels having the appearance of men and having physical attributes. For example, Jacob wrestled with an angel in Genesis 32:24, which I and many others believe was a pre-incarnate Jesus. And even Jesus himself had a type of physical body after he was resurrected. So it seems that at least in some way, in some form, that certain angels can have a type of physical body. Even the fallen angels uh, had this type of physical body and were able to mate with human women. Uh, of course, while saying a type of physical, we have to acknowledge that it's very different from a, a human body. 
this can make sense when we think of what we are. Humans are really spiritual beings, soul and spirit, that have been put into physical bodies so we can operate within physical reality. Our physical bodies are a type of vehicle for our souls and spirit to exist as intended within this dimension, within these three dimensions of space and one of time. So it makes sense that if another type of spiritual being, like an angel, wanted to operate in our physical dimension, he would need a type of physical body too. So this body would be different from ours as we were created lower than the angels. Hebrews 2, 7 says that. Uh, the angel's body would be more powerful and a able to do things that the human body can't because uh, they, they, don't, they don't die like we do. You, you know, a fallen angel isn't going to die of old age. So the flesh of the angel's body would be different from human flesh, but it would also be different from the uh, heavenly bodies that they forsook um, in rebellion against God. Um, now, we got a lot more to talk about, but first, first, I have to tell you about Cornerstone Asset Metals. Now, concerning the uh, economically unstable times that we live in, it's a great idea to convert some of your savings into real money. And there is a big difference between what we call real money, which is actually currency. Um, our dollar is currency, which fluctuates. Real money, like silver, is a store of value over time. So the best way to think of it is like this. If you had saved $1,000 in cash back in the late 60s, the 1960s, that $1,000 would still be $1,000 today, but it would buy you significantly less today due to inflation. But if you had saved that same $1,000 in silver back in the 60s, Today, it would be around, around $28,000. So one of the best ways to protect your purchasing power is in real money, more specifically silver. Uh, you can buy and have the metal shipped directly to your door, and what most people don't know is that you can actually convert your IRA or even a 401k into physical silver rather than having all your life savings tied up in the paper fiat system, which is subject to hyperinflation. Uh, so it's just a good, responsible thing to do. Go to dailyrenegade.com and click on the Cornerstone Asset Metals banner and sign up to get your free silver report. You will find that banner right above a free sharpening report episode where uh, I talk with Terry Saka of Cornerstone Asset Metals. And he lays it all out. Uh, he, he's a Christian. Th this, this is like a Christian company. It's almost, it's, it's kind of like a Christian ministry. Uh, they want to do this for Christians so we can protect our assets uh, because we're sure that there's going to be some tough times ahead, you know? I mean, e e even a pre-trib rapture guy like myself uh, will say that just because there's a rapture, it doesn't mean that we're going to be free from any tribulation whatsoever. Uh, clearly the financial market uh, can crash at any time. So, um, and it has many times before. So you want to protect your assets. It's a good, responsible thing to do. Uh, and there is one company that I trust to do it, just one. And um, uh, and so I've done this. I, I suggest everybody should get on board. Go to Cornerstone Asset Metals banner. Uh, find that banner at dailyrenegade.com and sign up to get your free silver report. One of the financial experts will speak with you to find out the best way to protect your savings going forward in these uncertain times. Um, okay, so we have a lot more to talk about, including the bloodline and generations of Noah, plus future prophecy. Will we see a return of the Nephilim? We will talk about all that and more in the members only section. And you can get the rest of this episode by becoming a member today at dailyrenegade.com. Find this episode in the latest videos section or uh, under the... Uh, um, 
under the sharpening report if it's been a while since it's aired, and you'll have, uh, or JPD Weekly. Uh, <laughs> I, I have two shows, so there's the sharpening report and JPD Weekly, but, uh, and so don't be confused by that. Uh, just, just find it in there if it's been a while since it's aired, and you'll have direct access to the full episode plus many, many other videos that uh, we offer that aren't available in full anywhere else. So come be a member today and join the family. It is only $10 a month or $100 a year. If you can do it, I suggest getting the $100 a year because it's cheaper in the long run. Um, if you pay month to month, you're going to be paying $120. If you do the 100 a year, it's one time. You don't have to worry about it for a full year. It's 20 bucks off. So you're kind of like getting two months free. It's a great deal. Um, and yeah, you don't have to worry about it for a whole other year. So uh, I suggest getting the yearly if you could do it. But if you want to pay month to month, that is great too. And again, all of that is at dailyrenegade.com. And with that, members, hang on the line. Everyone else viewing for free, thank you so much. And until next time, take care and God bless.